0: If you have your Bibles, you can open them first of all to Matthew the ninth chapter. And hold that place because I'm going to come back a little later to the 8th chapter of Matthew. Matthew the ninth chapter and we shall begin to read with the 35th verse. And Jesus went about all the cities and villages teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom. And healing every sickness or every manner of sickness and every manner of disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Then saith he unto his disciples the harvest truly is plenteous but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth the laborers into his harvest. Then turning to the 5th chapter of John's Gospel, we read, beginning with the very first verse, After this there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is at Jerusalem by the sheep market a pool, which is called in the Hebrew tongue Bethesda, having five porches. In these lay a great multitude of impotent folk, of blind, halt, withered, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain season into the pool and troubled the water. Whosoever then first after the troubling of the water stepped in was made whole of whatsoever disease he had. And a certain man was there which had an infirmity thirty and eight years And Jesus saw him lie, and knew that he had been now a long time in that case, or we would say in that condition. He saith unto him, Wilt thou be made whole? The impotent man answered him, Sir, I have no man when the water is troubled to put me into the pool. But while I am coming, another steppeth down before me. Jesus saith unto him, Rise, take up thy bed, and walk. And immediately the man was made whole, and took up his bed, and walked, and on the same day was the Sabbath. The Jews therefore said unto him that was cured, It is the Sabbath day, it is not lawful for thee to carry thy bed. He answered them, He that made me whole, the same said unto me, Take up thy bed, and walk. Then asked they him, What man is that which said unto thee, Take up thy bed, and walk? And he that was healed wist not who it was. For Jesus had conveyed himself away, a multitude being in that place. Afterward, Jesus findeth him in the temple, and said unto him, Behold, thou art made whole. Sin no more, lest a worse thing come unto thee. The man departed and told the Jews that it was Jesus which had made him whole. And therefore did the Jews persecute Jesus and sought to slay him because he had done these things on the Sabbath day. And Jesus answered them, My father worketh hitherto and I work. Therefore the Jews sought the more to kill him because he not only had broken the Sabbath but said also that God was his father making himself equal with God. Then answered Jesus and said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, the Son can do nothing of himself. But what he seeth the Father do, for what things soever he doeth, these also doeth the Son likewise. Then in the 14th chapter of John's Gospel, in the 12th verse we read, where Jesus said, verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me, The works that I do shall he do also, and greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father. Now, uh, Jesus declared here in this verse that we that believe on him, I believe on him, don't you? That the works that he did that we would do also. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, if we are to do those works, we need to study real carefully to see just how Jesus did them. You see, we fail to see clearly, as we should, some things because of traditional or church teaching. Church teaching is not always necessarily scriptural teaching. Traditional teaching is not always necessarily biblical. Now, for instance, if you do make reference to the ministry of Jesus at all, then some people immediately say, well, yes, but now He was the Son of God. Well, of course He was. See, they make a true statement, but they infer something that's untrue. They infer that nobody could minister in any way like He did. Well, if that would be the case, then Jesus didn't know what He was talking about when He said, the works that I do, shall He do also. You see, what happened is that the church as a whole have put the ministry of Jesus in a class by itself. Now, as far as the person of Jesus is concerned, the divine personality, yes, put him in a class by himself. But when it comes to his works, do not put them in a class by themselves because they couldn't be. Jesus said, the works that I do shall he do also. And if that's the case, then they couldn't be in a class by themselves. So, by supposing that the ministry of Jesus or the works of Jesus are in a class by themselves as he is a person or personality is, then we have not examined his works very closely because we thought, well, couldn't do that anyway. Isn't that not right? So, because he did say the works that I do shall he do also and he that's going to do these works isn't the preacher. He didn't say, Verily, verily, I say unto you, the preachers that believe on me, the works I do. No, he said, He that believeth on me. This is talking about all believers. He that believeth on me, the works that I do. Hallelujah. Praise God. Shall ye do also, and greater works of these shall ye do? Now, one reason that he said we would do these works, and even greater, was because I go unto my Father. Well, now what's going to happen because he goes unto his father? Well, one thing about it is that the new birth becomes available to mankind. You see, uh, somebody said, Well, now you mean that the, the apostles were not born again? Well, now this just stop and ask yourself this question What does the Bible say? Well, Romans 10. 9 and 10 said that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. Well, while Jesus was here on the earth, did the apostles believe that? No, because he hadn't been raised from the dead, so they couldn't believe that. So they were not saved in the sense that we are saved. Are you listening to me? Now you say, well, didn't they have the sins forgiven? Oh, Yes. But you see there's a vast difference between having your sins forgiven and being born again. You see you who have been born again, if you sin then you confess your sin and he forgives your sin but you're not born again again. If that had been the case, some of you have been born again again a thousand times. (laughs) But you can't be born again again. Are you listening to now No, the disciples and the apostles who walked with Jesus uh, had their sins forgiven on the same basis that folks under the Old Covenant, Old Testament, had their sins forgiven. But blessed be God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. You see, a new program has come in. Glory to God. You see, Jesus is going away because I go unto my Father. Well, He died. He shed His blood. Without the shedding of blood there's no remission of sin. He was raised from the dead. And remember that he met Mary there at the tomb after his resurrection and said to Mary touch me not for I have not yet ascended to my father. Now notice here that he said you're going to do these works because I go unto my father. So he hadn't gone to the father yet. Touch me not for I have not yet ascended unto my father and unto my God. And so, later then, a few days later, he appeared to the disciples, and they said, it's a spirit or a ghost. And you remember that Jesus said, handle me. In other words, touch me. A spirit has not flesh and bone. So then something had to happen between the time Mary saw him and the disciples saw him, because he said to Mary, don't touch me. The reason he said, don't touch me, I've not yet ascended. Now you come over to the book of Hebrews and you find out what happened. He ascended on high and he entered into the heavenly holies of holies with his own blood. Hallelujah. To obtain an eternal redemption for us. Hallelujah. And so you see we're redeemed. Glory to God. Redeemed. That's one reason we're going to do the works and greater works than he did. Because now you see these other folks had a promissory note on it they could cash it in now (laughs) and get the reality of it. But we don't have a promissory note on it. We've got the reality of it, of redemption, of redemption, of redemption. Hallelujah. Redeem from sin. Redeem from the hand of the enemy. Redeem from spiritual death. Redeem from sickness. Redeem from poverty. See, Galatians 3.13 tells you exactly what you're redeemed from. Well, another thing is the Holy Ghost would come. Notice reading further here in this same 14th chapter, remember that he said, the works that I do shall ye do also, because I go to my Father. Because I go to my Father. Because I go to my Father. Well, another thing that's going to happen because he goes to his Father is as in the 16th verse he said, and I will pray the Father. Now you see, The works that I do shall he do. He that believeth on me, the works that I do shall he do also. And greater works than these shall ye do, because I go to my Father. And I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter or another helper, that he may abide with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth. That's the 16th and 17th verses. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it seeth him, not neither knoweth him, but ye know him, for he dwelleth with you, and he shall be in you. Well, that reminds me of something Jesus said earlier in this 14th chapter of John's Gospel. In talking about the works, and so on and so forth, you notice that Jesus said, the Father that dwelleth in me, he doeth the works. You know Philip had said to him in that 8th verse, Lord show us the Father and it sufficeth us. And uh, Jesus saith unto him have I been so long time with you and yet hast thou not known me Philip? He that has seen me has seen the Father and how sayest thou then show us the Father? Believest thou not that I am in the Father and the Father in me? The words that I speak unto you I speak not of myself but the Father that dwelleth in me. He doeth the works. Hallelujah. Now bear in mind, the works that I do shall ye do also. Well, are we going to be able to do the works he did without the same indwelling? No. No. And so he said, therefore, I'll pray the Father, and he'll give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it seeth him not neither knoweth him, but ye know him for he dwelleth with you and he shall be in you. The miracle workers in us. It was God the Holy Ghost that did the miracles through Jesus. Are you listening? The miracle workers in us. That's one reason that we're going to be able to do the works then what we must do is learn to cooperate with him who indwells us. Now, let's read a little further. You'll notice the 26th verse Jesus said, but the comforter, the helper, the Greek word here is paraclete. It means one to call alongside the help. Many translations read helper instead of comforter. I like it better really. It's more scriptural. But the comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name. Hallelujah. He will teach you all things. Praise God, he will. And bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. That's one reason that the writers of the New Testament was able to write by the inspiration of the Spirit of God because the Holy Ghost brought to their remembrance. Now, as we turn over into the 15th chapter of John's Gospel, he he continues to talk about, now remember, because I go to my Father. Hallelujah. I'll pray the Father and he'll send you another comforter and that he may dwell in you. Praise God. Alright, he talks some more about this comforter, helper. Look in the 26th verse. And when the comforter is come, when the helper is come, Whom I will send unto you from the Father, even the spirit of truth, which proceedeth from the Father, hallelujah, he shall testify of me, of Jesus. He'll lift up Jesus. He'll magnify Jesus. And ye also shall bear witness, because ye have been with me from the beginning. Then in the 16th chapter of John's gospel, Jesus says, begin reading with the 13th verse, Howbeit, when he, the spirit of truth, is come. Remember earlier we read where he called the comforter, the helper, the spirit of truth. He will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak. Hallelujah. You see, that's the way that God then, or Jesus, will speak to our hearts. is because the Holy Spirit's in there. And he does not speak of himself, but whatever he hears, he speaks. Whatever he hears God say, whatever he hears Jesus say, just like Jesus said to these folks, whatever I see my Father do, I do. Hallelujah. And so then he said, and he will show you things to come he will show you things to come. Oh, praise God forevermore. He shall glorify me, for he shall receive of mine and show it unto you. All things that the Father hath are mine. Therefore said I, that he shall take of mine and show it unto you. Praise God. Now then, first of all, we pointed out that Jesus in his ministry, the works that he did, some of them, not all of them, was by the anointing of the Holy Ghost in what we call manifestations, or gifts of the Holy Ghost. Now here at this uh, pool of Bethesda, when Jesus walked up there to that pool, you can readily see the man waiting there with five porches full of people. Yet Jesus only ministered to the one man. First it said he knew, Jesus knew that the man had been in that case, in that condition for a long time. How did he know it? Well now again, let me point out, folks said, well he's the son of God and the son of God knew everything. No, Jesus When he came into this world, we read a number of scriptures that proved it, a number of different translations. He laid aside his mighty power and glory. He didn't know anything except what was revealed to him by the Holy Ghost. That was actually a manifestation of what the Bible later on calls the word of knowledge, a revelation. And then when Jesus said to him, rise, take up your bed and walk, it was a manifestation of the gifts of healings. Notice that Jesus only ministered to the one man. He walked off and left five porches full of sick people. What do you say, why didn't he minister to the rest of them? That's the only one the Spirit of God talked to him about. See, he could have ministered to the others by teaching them, but that's a different subject. We'll get to that in just a moment, you see. Because, you see, this man took up his bed and walked, and the Jews saw him walking with his bed, you know, and that violated the Sabbath. Wasn't supposed to do any kind of work. Wasn't he supposed to, you know, many people nowadays think that they're keeping the Sabbath, you know. If you are, you're not supposed to cook on the Sabbath. You're not supposed to light a fire on the Sabbath. You're not supposed to uh, travel over so far on the Sabbath. You're not supposed to even pick up a stick of wood. This man was carrying his bed. Are you listening to me? And that's the reason the Jews stopped him. Here he's carrying his bed. And he said, well, the man that healed me told me to it. They said, well, who's that? They want to get after him now for breaking the Sabbath. He said, well, I, I don't know who he was. He said, See, we read to here." he said, I wish not who he was because Jesus had conveyed himself away. Now, you see, that's the way, if you know anything at all about manifestation gifts of the Spirit, that's the way they operate. And, and you can only minister with that power, with that anointing, to that particular one that the Spirit of God, you see. That doesn't mean you can't minister to that. We'll get to that in just a moment. But I mean just in that way. Now there have been many such manifestations. Some folks are used more than others in some of these areas. I know in my own individual case you know I've talked about the fact of uh, one case here in Oklahoma one time when I was preaching. There's a fellow on the stretcher there. I just looked a the very picture of death. In fact the doctors had said the uh, funeral director or undertaker that brought him free of charge in his own ambulance 120 miles told me that I asked the doctors if it was alright to bring the doctor. His doctor said he ought to have been dead ten days ago. You know, it's not going to hurt him. I mean, he can't live anyway. If you think anything can happen, well, just go ahead. Well, now, I'd never seen the fella. You know, I didn't know who he was. Didn't know this was going to bring him. But uh, just as I finished my sermon, the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, "Now don't touch the man. Don't, 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 don't pray for him. Just stand here on the platform and say to him like Jesus did to this man: Rise up and walk. Well, not take up your bed, but just rise up and walk." And you tell the congregation ahead of time that he'll be healed right now for all of them to watch. See, there's hundreds of them there. And if he's not, you're a false prophet. And if he is, then this is a sign, which he will be, then this is a sign unto you, that's me, and unto the people that my hand's upon you, and I've called you into such a ministry. Well, I make it short sometimes by saying I did, he did, and the Lord did. And he got up and walked off. See? Well, now, why don't you do that with every bed-fast patient? Well, If the Spirit said so, okay. If He doesn't, you can't. Now you notice what Jesus said here later on, we read it, I can't of my own self do nothing. You see. So ministering like this, He ministered under that. I make mention of the fact on another occasion that I was praying in the Spirit. And I saw a certain church. I'd never been there before. But then to make a long story short, I called this pastor because I, I had preached for him in another place. And I did not know that he was in this city now. But here he was right close to me, just a few miles away. And so uh, I remember when my wife and I went over on Sunday morning then, as we turned the corner and headed down towards the church, I said to my wife, because I already described her, now I saw that Friday night. This is Sunday morning. That's just exactly the way it looked in the vision. I saw the name of the church and so on. And then on Friday night... See, and this is Sunday morning. I saw myself standing in the pulpit in that church. Now, I've never been in that pulpit before. Uh, I guess through, the, through these, uh, since 1950, through these 30 year, this 30-year period, since Jesus appeared to me in that vision in 1950, there's been three or four times that in the Spirit I saw myself stand in a certain church. Sometimes it'd be five, six, seven years before it come to pass. And then I'd stand in the pulpit and I'd say to myself, Well, I've been here before and yet I know I've never been to this city before. I've never been to this, but then it's dawned on me. I remember I was lying on my bed down there at 400 South 3rd Street praying in the Spirit and I saw myself, that's it, that's it. I saw myself standing, you see, years before in that pulpit. Well, somebody said, why so long? Now, wait just a minute. Did you know in the realm of the Spirit there's no such thing as time? I said, did you know in the realm of the Spirit there's no such thing as time? Are you listening to me? See, that's the reason that God in his word said, now is the day of salvation. See, well, that day of salvation in our way of speaking was yesterday and it's right now, it'll be tomorrow. But it's all now with God. Because God's always now. Now is the day of salvation. Today is accepted time. Praise God, isn't that right? You see, so there's no such thing as time, yet, uh, yet that came to pass, you see. Well, I saw myself standing in this church. Now, I saw myself say, you see, to a lady here, and I saw this on Friday night, and then I acted it out on Sunday morning. You know, the Lord shows me that you have a tumor, a growth about as, in your right breast, is about as large as a hen egg. And uh, he told me to tell you it has gone. Now, she was going to be operated on that week, but they couldn't find it. It disappeared. In fact, it disappeared right then. And then I pointed to a lady on the back pew and said, the Lord shows me that you have a tumor on the back of your right kidney. And, uh, and she's going to be operating on that week also, I'll learn later. And, and, and it disappeared. They couldn't find it. And that's what the Lord told me. You just tell them it's gone. Don't pray for them, you see. Now, you see, it is scriptural to pray. You might be led by the Spirit to pray for somebody. You might be led by the Spirit to lay your hands on somebody. Well, that's scriptural, all right, you see. But these things work very often over in this other area that way, you see. Now, on another occasion, I was preaching, you see, and, and I was praying in the Spirit, in tongues, in other words, in the nighttime, and I saw my next night's service. I was in a camp meeting, and I saw myself point to a lady, never seen her before in my life, never been to that state before in my life, and say to her, uh, for the last three nights, you've been setting up in bed from 2 o'clock on, just struggling for breath. And I saw her in the nighttime, the night before, setting up in bed. She couldn't breathe as she lay down. And even setting up, she had... <sighs> breathe like that, try to get her breath and check her heart. And she said, that's right, you're right. I said, the Lord told me to tell you are healed. And she was. I pointed to another lady and I said, the Lord shows me you have arthritis. See, I couldn't tell sitting there, you know, whether she had arthritis or didn't. But she's bound up with arthritis. We had a lady over there in South Africa that had been bedfast with arthritis for three years. It was instantly healed. Praise God. And the next night she's out testifying, you know, on the prime walk, just as good as anybody. Praise the Lord. And so, uh, that lady was healed later on in my meeting, testified being healed. Then I saw myself minister to a lady on a stretcher. Well, now, these things will work in different ways, many different ways. And I've just given you some outstanding examples. There are a lot this side of that. In fact, I could just stand here and tell you of incident after incident, take up all my time, talk all this afternoon, all night long, and, and, and still things tell you about things that happen along that line. Uh, there has been a manifestation occasionally along that line, and sometimes more regularly than other times, because man doesn't control it. Uh, Jesus said, I can't of my own self do nothing. So he ministered that way. Then you could expect some of us to minister that way. Even believers may be used that way sometimes, as the Spirit will. But yet, right on the other hand, that's not the only way Jesus ministered. Now you see, turn back there. You see, we're talking about the Holy Ghost and what he'll do and how he'll manifest himself through. Turn back there to that ninth chapter again. I told you we was coming back there to that ninth chapter of Matthew and notice this, that it said concerning the ministry of Jesus or we might put it this way, concerning the works of Jesus. And Jesus went about all the cities and villages teaching in their synagogues. Did you ever stop to think about that when we're teaching the word of God, we're doing the works of Jesus? Are you listening to me? And, and I don't believe that you can categorize these works and say, "Well, this is more important than that." I believe they're all important. You see, if we're not careful, sometimes we think, "Well, the working of miracles—boy, that's much greater than than teaching ministry, or healing people." You know, getting people healed is much greater than, you know, that's much more important. That's much greater than teaching ministry. Let me show you something. You got your Bibles there? Can you read? Turn over to 1 Corinthians real quick. Let me show you something the Lord showed me. It startled me. You know, because sometimes we just get things like that in our minds. 12th chapter, 1 Corinthians. 12th chapter, 1 Corinthians. We get certain things in our mind. I think it hinders us a lot of time. Read it from receiving from God and being blessed of God and even doing the works of Jesus. Now, notice. 1 Corinthians 12th chapter, 28th verse. And God has set some in the church First, apostles. Secondarily, prophets. Thirdly, teachers. After that. In other words, you might say fourthly. Miracles. Then, then after that. Fifth, gifts of healings. Now I remember one time when Jesus appeared to me in a vision the month of January 1958 in El Paso, Texas. And sit down by my bedside and talk for an hour and a half to me, primarily about the ministry of the prophet. You notice this listed here? Because I'd gotten in trouble and had fallen, knocked my elbow out of place. And, and so the Lord said to me, You see, you got in trouble because you got out of my perfect will. Now you know there is protection for us. I, I've stayed there most of the time, thank the Lord. <laughs> Amen. But don't condemn anybody. Any of us could get out of it. And, and I through my ministry, you know, I was healed in 1934. And I go along sometimes five, six, seven, even ten years at the time. Don't even know I have a body. Just, just don't have any problems with the, with the flesh, with the body at all. I mean, I'll endeavor to live over in the spirit realm. Now, if you've never been there, you don't know what I'm talking about and I don't know how to explain it to you. But very little, very few times have I ever had anything physically wrong with me in all these years because I learned to walk in the Word of God and in the will of God. And the only problems I have had to tell you the real truth about it physically was when I was not in the will of God in ministry. And then I got in trouble. I didn't say that's so concerning you. And that would not be so concerning you unless you had the same revelation of the truth of God's Word and was walking in it. And so, uh, the Lord said to me, you see, you got out of my perfect will. Because you see, your ministry is the ministry of the prophet and the teacher. Uh, it seems to me that those are the two hardest ministries to synchronize. That there is now I've had the most trouble because the teaching ministry is a more of a logical presentation, where the prophet's ministry, so many times, is very illogical and, uh, and and more inspirational. And and so he said, "You reverse the order." He said, "Did you notice in my word?" You can look these scriptures up if you care. And you know, all, of course, the Bible said to my two, three witnesses, their word be established. Notice he said in my word that the prophet's ministry is always listed before the teaching ministry. Every single time where they are mentioned. Now, for instance, there's in the in, in, in Ephesians 4, 11. When Jesus ascended on high, he gave gifts to men. He gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. Now he said they're listed in their importance. Well can you see the prophets' ministry listed above the teaching ministry? Now then here see, here in this verse, this verse you see notice God has sent some in the church, first apostles, secondarily prophets. Now here he lists thirdly teachers. Now notice, each time, prophets ministry is listed before the teaching ministry. But he said, you see, you know, uh, uh, I think we got it all wrong sometimes. Bless our hearts. And, and that's true. Jesus said to this man, go and sin no more, lest the worst thing come upon you. And we get to thinking about a fellow doing something like maybe stealing something or telling a lie, committing adultery or something, you know, or hating somebody. But did you know that you can just, if you're in the ministry, you can get your ministry reversed and get in trouble? But if you don't know it, you better find it out. Amen. He said, you see, you reverse the order, and put the teaching ministry first and the second, and the prophet's ministry second. Well, you can readily see that's out of the will and out of the order of God, isn't it? Now what you've got to do is swing them back around. <laughs> Put the prophet's ministry first. Well, really, I'd put the teaching ministry first and just neglected altogether the prophet minister, to tell the truth about it. And just virtually left it off. For a number of different reasons. Now, here's so what I want you to get. That wasn't, that wasn't it. <laughs> you know, sometimes if folks enjoy that too, you know, we get get something out of that. Here's what I want you to get, though. That does startle me. You know, you read that verse over and didn't see it. So he said, the prophet's ministry and the teaching ministry are both important, all right. And they're important to the church. Yet the prophet's ministry is above it. Now here's something we need to realize that folks, we, we don't leave that impression. He said the prophet's ministry is more important to the church than the teaching ministry is. We leave the impression that the teaching ministry is, well, that's it, that's number one. No, that's number three. That's what he said, didn't he? I said, didn't he? Huh? Again, Jesus said to me, however, the teaching ministry is more important to the church than working of miracles or gifts of healings. Now, wait a minute. Ah. My head says, no, that's not so. It'd be more important that you'd have. Miracles are working among you. Gifts of healings operating in your midst It would be teaching you. No, notice what he said. He said, in the church. In where? In the church. First, apostles. Secondarily, prophets. Thirdly, teachers. After the teachers. After that. then not that what he said? Miracles are working a miracle. Then, after that, then gifts of healings. See, sometimes we put the wrong emphasis on the wrong emphasis on the right thing. We get out of kelter. You out there? I sure got some of you to thinking, haven't I? I can just hear some of those old rusty gears up there in your head really whirling. Good, 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 good. Praise the Lord. Good. Get you to thinking. May get something into you. Teaching is important. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Very important. Very important. Very important. I said very important. Very important. Jesus went around about their villages teaching. Notice this now. Jesus put teaching before healing. Did you notice that? Did you notice that 9th chapter, 35th verse of Matthew? It didn't say Jesus went around about their villages healing every manner of sickness, every manner of disease among them, and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and teaching in their synagogues. No, 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 no. No. I believe it's important the way the Spirit of God says things. Jesus went around about their villages teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom. And number three, healing every manner of sickness and every manner of disease among the people. Now here's something else that you need to realize startle me. Oh, my, my, my. So much of the time, the Word of God Jesus will really upset your theology. Sometimes just shoot it full of holes. <laughs> I remember one time Jesus said to me, when he appeared to me in a vision, Jesus said to, talking about his own ministry, you know, I wouldn't think, won't you think I'm smart enough to think up what I'm telling you? That's where I got what I'm telling you. He told me. <laughs> Amen. That's where I got it. That's where I got it. And so he said, uh, he said to me, uh, talking about his ministry of teaching, preaching, and healing. And he said, those I understood this because we talked about that. Now like that man there, see he didn't teach him, that's gifts of the Spirit manifestation. And they're manifested as the Spirit wills and you can do that without any teaching. I mean, I mean I've even, because the Spirit told me to, ministered to sinners and got them instantly healed. But the Spirit of God said do it. Are you listening to me? Amen. Spirit of God said to it. Spirit of God told me exactly what was wrong with them. And that's the thing I think that got their attention was that I was able to tell them supernaturally. They knew I, I was a stranger. I'd never seen them before in my life. They'd never seen me before in their life. But I said, God shows me you're a sinner. Just call him out of the crowd. Said, Step out now. God shows me you're a sinner. And you got that right so far, boy. I said, he shows me you have this. And I told him what's wrong. He said, you're right again. I said, he said, come down here. Let me lay hands on that case. He said, lay hands on and you'll be healed. You think that, that sinner man, man, you never saw. It's just giant steps he took and was instantly healed. Three nights later he got saved. Praise God. <laughs> Amen. Well, now see, why didn't you minister to every sinner? Never said a word about any other sinner. You see, never said a word. Now these things will work, these, these manifestations of the Spirit work over in other areas. I was preaching out in the First Four Square Church in Lubbock, Texas. In January of 1959, last Sunday night of the meeting, last Sunday night, last three weeks, and uh, they, there was a fellow, I'd never seen him before, only night he was there, well, he had evidently visited, I hadn't noticed him before because he had been in the services, or else his wife went home and told him what some things happened, and he's standing right next to the aisle. Three sections of seats, you know, in an aisle over, there, and he's standing. And we're giving an invitation. We're singing just as I am. I'd preach the evangelistic type sermon, and we were giving an invitation of folks to be saved. Then I'm going to pray for the sick by laying on the hands. And uh, and and suddenly the spirit of God came on me, and I knew exactly what I should do. And so I said to this fella, "You run on the back seat next aisle. Step out now. You're talking to me, big old cowboy. You know, had on cowboy, tall fella anyway, and had on these boots and made it look way up yonder." And then the the floor was slanted back that way anyway. I said, yeah, you, step out now. He stepped out now. And I started like this. You know, you wonder why sometimes why you do some things. I started like this. Well, now, I'm going tonight, but I'm going just, now, this is really what happened. I knew that because I saw him in the spirit talking to his wife before he came to church. I'm going tonight, but I want you to know I don't believe in a thing in the world that's happened down there. I'm going just for your benefit, just because you want me to go. Now, the what all that preachers are doing nothing in the world but just 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 hypnotism and mass psychology. That's all the world is and mind reading. You know, calling people out and telling them what's wrong with it. He said, that's all in the world it is, and I want you to know I don't believe in it, and I'm not going to have anything to do with it, but I'm a going, just kept on. I'm a going just because you want me to go, and I just kept on repeating what he said, and I don't know where I would have wound up, but he ran down the aisle <laughs> and slid into the altar I never will forget I'm standing on the platform, and he slid, you see, and his feet come. That's when I knew I had on cowboy boots, because his feet sticking out there with these cowboy boots on. And he's sitting down in the floor, talking in tongues. He got saved, evidently, running down the aisle and filled with the Spirit, time he slid into second base. (laughs) Amen. Time he slid into the altar. He's filled with the Spirit. Praise God. Well, now, God don't do that away with everybody, but sometimes he does. And so, uh, you, you see those things, uh, you know, thank God for them. But now listen, here's the point I wanted to get over to you. You see, see how the ministry of the prophet is important to the church. Praise God forevermore. Now, teaching though, Jesus said, Jesus said to me in that vision, he said, uh, I uh, uh, talked about other things, but he said, uh, pointed out that his ministry consisted of teaching, preaching, and healing in that order. And he said, other than the special manifestation like I was talking about. Now, now, you understand this. Here's what I started to say to you. The same thing about salvation, the same thing true about healing and any other manifestation of the Spirit, see. Most folks are not saved the way that man was saved, are they? You very seldom see anything like that, do you? Most people are saved by hearing the Word of God preached or taught, aren't they? And, and responding to it. But yet, these other things do happen occasionally. Uh, you know Saul of Tarsus in the ninth chapter of Acts was saved by manifestation of God's power and spirit. Remember Saul breathing out threatenings against the church, got letters in his possession, giving him the authority to put in jail and in chains. And them they're in that way. As he approached the city of Damascus, suddenly there shined a light around about him, brighter than the noonday sun, and he fell to the earth. And, and he heard a voice speaking to him, said, "Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me?" And he said, who art thou, Lord? And he said, I'm Jesus, whom thou persecutest." He said, Lord. <laughs> see, Paul later on wrote to the Romans, said, if thou confess thy mouth, the Lord, and believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. Well, he knew right then that he is Lord, that he is raised him from the dead. So he said, what would thou help me to do? Lord, what would thou help me to do? And later on, we see Ananias going, laying hands on them, might receive his sight and be filled with the Holy Ghost. Praise God. Now, listen. You know, that may happen. I, I tell frequently about holding a meeting in February of 1952 over here in Oklahoma City in the old Capitol Hill Tabernacle and we were given the altar call. People coming to be saved. We send them to the prayer room to be saved and I put people in the same line, lay hands on to be filled with the Spirit and heal. And suddenly, five, find that old tabernacle, there's five sections of seats. And, uh, you know, we got four sections here, five sections of seats, folding doors in every aisle, uh, or that is, swinging door. And suddenly, I saw swinging doors their swing open, and a young man come in, he didn't hear the message, he didn't hear the preaching, and he looked sort of wild-like, you know, more like maybe, you know, I don't know I don't what in the world wrong with him, whether he's all, you know, doped up, or what's the matter with him, I mean, he just looked wild. And he looked around a little bit, you know, just, just, just looking wild. And then came right down the aisle. The others were standing here who had come to be saved. And see, and they're singing just as I am without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me. And he came down there and stood there, and I'm standing up, and he motioned me, and so I stooped over. And he said, hey, 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 preacher, preacher. See, and you, I was standing there giving the altar call because between, about the time he come in, they quit singing, I, and he stood there for a minute while I said we're going to sing one more verse, you see. And he said, I, 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 I was walking down the street about two blocks away. And suddenly he said, You see, it was overcast, cloudy, February. And you couldn't see a star, see the moon. He said, I thought the clouds had parted and the moon was shining through because I saw this. But he said, This light, about as big as the moon, came down and hung about three feet right over my head. He said, Like scared me to death. <laughs> and he was looking wild, you know. Like scared me to death, he said. And I didn't know what to do. I started to run and then said, It started moving. It moved ahead of me several feet and about three feet higher than me. And I thought, well, I'm going to follow that. And he said, it turned the corner, came down this block, turned the corner, turned down, I just followed it and it came in the front door of this church. And I just followed it in here. That's where he's looking so wild and funny like, you see. (laughs) Looked like his hair almost stand up on his head. And he said, when I got inside and I heard him singing, just as I am, he said, I have been to church, you know, years ago. I realized God's dealing with me, I, and he started crying. And said, "I want to be saved." I, I said, "You come to the right place." Now, now I don't know if anybody else has ever had an experience like that. They may have, may not. I don't know. In other words, what I'm saying to you, that's not the ordinary way. See now, now you see, you see, most people are saved. We're talking about doing the works of Jesus. Most people are saved by hearing the Word of God taught and preached, aren't they? And responding to that call. Amen, as the Spirit of God through the Word would deal with their hearts. Now, the same way about healing, you see. Jesus said to me, now other than these times when they were, there were these special, special movings of the Spirit, you know, we studied here, I brought this out several times, it'll bear repetition, that in the four Gospels, there are 19 cases of specific individuals being healed. Like, for instance, this man's one of them here. This, this man is the pool of Bethesda. Woman of the issue of blood's another. Now you think there are more because several of the writers record the same story, but there are in only 19 individual cases. 12 out of the 19, it talks about their fates. See, it doesn't say a word about this man's fate. That's what's so strange about it. When these gifts are in manifestation, like that sinner man, he didn't have fate. He didn't come, I don't know how come he would come to the service, but he sure didn't come expecting to be saved or anything. But God got a hold of him. Well, that fellow walking down the street, he wasn't expected to be saved or anything, but but God moved. Well, he's God if he wants to, he can. He didn't have to ask me whether he could or not. Praise the Lord. Are you listening? But now that's not the, you you, you see the majority of the individuals, and I think you can learn something from it, that were healed under the ministry of Jesus, were healed on their own faith. Twelve times out of nineteen, he said, daughter, your faith that made you whole. He said to the two blind men in in this same ninth chapter, I told you to turn back there. That same ninth chapter of Matthew, those two blind men that followed him from Jairus's house, he said when he touched their eyes, according to your faith, read the 27, 28, 29th verse, according to your faith. Whose faith? Jesus' faith? No. The the apostles' faith? No. The two blind men's faith. According to your faith, so be it done unto you. They were healed on their own faith and by their own faith, you see. Now, Jesus said to me in this vision that I was telling you about, he said, uh, other than those special manifestations of the Spirit of God that happened occasionally through my ministry, the majority were healed on their own faith. Then in studying the Word of God, I I proved it out. And then he said, those that you see that did not receive my teaching or preaching did did not receive their healing. Are you listening? Alright, now then let's look at some scripture. Look again first of all to Luke's gospel again, the 5th chapter. Then we'll turn back to the 6th chapter of Mark. But look in Luke the 5th chapter. And let's look again at that 15th verse. We've looked at it a number of times in these lessons. But so much the more went there a fame abroad of him And great multitudes came together for what purpose? For what purpose? To hear hear and to be healed by him of their infirmities. Now notice they didn't just come to be healed. Did you notice that? They came to hear and to be healed. That's what Jesus said to them. If I could get them to hear me I could get them healed. If they didn't hear me then I couldn't get them healed. Now listen. Look into the 6th chapter of Luke's Gospel and notice again the 17th verse. And he came down with them and stood in the plain and the company of his disciples and a great multitude of people out of all Judea and Jerusalem and from the seacoast of Tyre and Sidon which came, for what purpose? To hear him and to be healed of their diseases. I wanted you to notice how that he connects hearing and healing together. I want you to notice that. Now, why does he do that? Why does he connect hearing and healing together? Because faith comes by hearing. That's what the Bible said. Now, notice again in the sixth chapter of Mark's gospel concerning the ministry of Jesus himself, the Lord Jesus Christ, in his hometown of Nazareth, that fifth verse of the sixth chapter. A mark and he that's Jesus could there do no mighty work well now uh, remember the text over there in John 14:12 said the works that I do shall ye do also but here he could there do no mighty work. Save, or we would say but, or we would say however, he laid his hands upon a few sick folk and healed them. Now this is his ministry in the hometown of Nazareth. This is Jesus' ministry. Well now why is it that he could only get a few healed here and the few that did get healed here, as the Greek says, he laid his hands on a few folks with minor ailments. Didn't have much wrong with them. Because he couldn't get them to hear him. I said because he couldn't get them to hear him. Because they rejected what they heard. They rejected what they heard. Now notice the sixth verse. And he marveled because of their unbelief. You see, if they had heard him, now you understand they may have been there, you know, listening with these two things, but that don't mean they let it get down inside of they really heard him. See, when we say heard him, like this, you may hear somebody tell something. Well, you heard them tell it. You said, I know there's not a word of truth in that. I'm not going to accept it. Well, you didn't hear it then. That's what it means when you say hear. Are you listening? You didn't accept it. So if he's going to help them, he'll have to do something about their unbelief. What's he going to do? Well, the text said he went round about the village's teaching. Notice he immediately took up the ministry of teaching. Did you notice that? Immediately. Did you know when you're teaching, you're doing the works of Jesus? Glory to God. Glory to God. I said glory to God. Hallelujah. Now notice something else. He could there. You know, you, you, you read that verse and you know it's in the Bible. I get You know, maybe somebody asks you, you couldn't remember it. But if somebody brings it to your remembrance, then you remember, yeah, I read something like that in there. You know, a lot of times verses are that way. I remember I was holding a meeting after the Lord appeared to me in that first vision, 1950. Well, for nine months, I was in my ninth month. And I just had phenomenal success, you know, getting uh, one meeting I had, only one. I got 90% of the people healed. Ordinarily, you'd get about 60% healed. That's an awful good percentage. Most of the healing evangelists of that day said they got about 10% of heal And I was getting about 60% healed. And so I got to a certain place, a certain city, and and I'll tell you, I didn't have any success at all. Preaching identically, the same sermon, teach it about the same thing. And, and, and I, they wasn't 10% of the people getting healed. And I got really concerned about it. And I began to fast and pray. Now, Lord, why isn't this a work in here? It's worked everywhere else. It's worked for nine months. And and, and this anointing's not working. And, and and people are not getting healed. I mean, just very, very, very few of them. And so I began to fast and pray about it. Now, we carried on the services, but I fasted. And the third day, I believe, of my fast, the Lord spoke to me, told me what to do. Now, first, he began to correct me. Uh, he has a way of doing that, you know. Do you ever need any corrected? He said to me, first of all, don't feel badly about it. You're doing as well here as I did in my hometown. <laughs> and, you know, that came sort of as a shock to me. I said, Lord, surely not. Surely you did better than this. <laughs> no no he said there's no use you're, you're, the servant the way he started out was saying the servant's not above his master and I said well I sure didn't think I was above you well if you're not above me then don't feel badly about it because you're doing as well as I did in my hometown I said surely not and then he showed me this scripture he said you see it says I laid my hands on a few a few he said you're getting a few healed aren't you yeah I said Mind a few well he said the few that I got healed didn't have much wrong with them And I studied it out, you know, and found out that the Greek says, he laid his hands on a few folks with minor ailments. When he said he didn't have much wrong with them, you know, that's saying the same thing, isn't it, see? And so, uh, well, I said, Lord, so he said, first of all, don't feel too bad about it. The servant's not above his master. You're doing as well as I did in my own hometown. In fact, a little better. Well, yeah, but Lord, why is it not working? He said, read the next verse. I read the next verse and he marveled because they're unbelief. Yeah, but I said, Lord, you know, this is a full gospel church here. They're saying, baptizing the Holy Ghost. There's several more churches cooperating, all of them full gospel. They all, all believe in divine healing, you know, supposed to. The power of God. Miracles. The Lord said to me, that's where your problem is, though, is the unbelief in the congregation. There's too much unbelief here. He said, if unbelief hindered me, it sure will hinder you because it's me that's doing the healing through you. Well, I said, what am I going to do about that? He said, the only way in the world is you're going to get people healed here is to take them aside to the congregation when you start to minister to them. Now tonight, when you start your healing service, you know, after you preach, give him a taste for people to be saved. Then send them to the prayer room. Then I put people in the same line to be healed and be filled with the Spirit. Now when you line them up, he said take them. They would built a new church auditorium and, and they had quite a nice auditorium. That used to be the old church auditorium you see. And they used it for a Sunday school assembly room you know. And, and so said take them back there in that Sunday school annex in that auditorium there. And don't let anybody back there Don't let a spectator back there. See, that's where your problem is with spectators. You see, we ought to be participators, but we're spectators, and so we're hindering instead of helping. Don't let a soul back there. Don't let anybody back there to see it. Not even the pastor or his wife. Unless they come, unless they're coming to be healed or be filled with the Spirit, nobody allowed there. Not even the pastor or his wife. I said, Lord, you're going to get me in trouble here. Because, you know, I, I, I'm not above the pastor. He's the pastor of this church. I'm just here by his invitation. You know, preaching. And I can't tell the pastor not to go in his own church. You know, I mean his Sunday school land. He, hey, don't you go back there. Or his wife either. The Lord said to me, you know, isn't he cute? <laughs> he just has a way of doing things. If you'll learn to listen to him, he'll put you over. Amen. Are you hearing me? The Lord said to me, I'll show you how to do it. He said, You ask the people, how many of you folks, after you get your healing line lined up, see, I'd usually line them up, you know, down one side of the building, let them cross the front. He said, Now, before you ever start bringing cross the front, because you're going to take them through that door in the sun school it." he said, You ask the congregation, and uh, how many of you would object to me following Jesus' example? And said, Put them on the spot. Put the pastor on the spot. Put his wife on the spot. Have everybody that would not object to you following my example, raise their hand. Put it up. Go on record. We will not object to you following Jesus' example. I didn't even know. Yeah, that's a stupid. I didn't know what he was about to get to. See, you can read the New Testament through like I had then 150 times and not know what's in it, you know. Think you do. He said, well, then after, after that you Have them to go on record that they would not object to the uh, fallen Jesus example. Then have them all to turn to the 7th chapter mark. See, you're right there at 6th chapter mark. Won't be much trouble to turn to the 7th chapter with it. 7th chapter mark. Have them to turn and read it with you. Because you've already got them to go on record. We do not object to you following Jesus' example. All right. They start reading to the 31st verse. And again, and I didn't know till he pointed that out to me, that was in there just like that. You know, I got my eyes on the healing and missed the other. And again, departing from the coast of Tyre and Sidon, he came unto the Sea of Galilee through the midst of the coast of Decapolis. And they bring unto him one that was deaf They, 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 it's plural. They bring unto him one that was deaf and had an impediment in his speech. And they beseech him to put his hands upon him. Now, verse 33, and he took him aside from the multitude. See, I've already got them to vote on it. (laughs) They've all lifted their hands. It's all right. It's all right. We don't mind you following Jesus' example. He took them aside from the I said, the Lord told me to take these folks aside from the crowd tonight. And then I verse it. I said, nobody, not even the pastor and his wife, unless they want to be prayed for, goes back there. You know when we went back there we started getting people healed? Just just phenomenal success. The Lord said, There's too much unbelief. She said, You know why I took that man aside from that multitude? I said, No. He said, There's too much in that unbelief in that crowd. You see, you read there in Mark six, five that unbelief hindered him, didn't it? I said, didn't it? I said, didn't it? Amen. In his hometown of Nashville, did unbelief hinder it? Well, see, unbelief of a city will hinder him. The unbelief of the congregation will hinder him. unbelief of the people will hinder him. If it hindered him then, it'll hinder him now. The servant's not above his master. That's what he started out to say to me. I remember, I remember one outstanding. He, now, I'd prayed for this little girl out front and didn't get her healed. Her parents had brought her. She's a little nine-year-old girl, yet that her daddy carried her in her arms. Because, you see, she had a rheumatic fever. She couldn't walk. Her knees were swollen as big as her head. Rheumatic fever. She'd been to the John Seeley Hospital in Galveston, Texas. Children's Hospital, you see. Her mother and father, her parents were Roman Catholic. In those days, Roman Catholics did not go to other churches. They were forbidden to do so. But they were searching for healing for their little girl. The doctors had told them that this is the worst case of rheumatic fever. And see, that's all that treats children in that particular hospital, that area of it. Uh, I think there's more than one hospital there, you see, but that was the the children's hospital also. And this is the worst case we've ever seen. Worst case, worse, worse we've ever seen. And and she's progressing worse rapidly. Nothing we can do. Nothing we can do. I ministered to her out front, no results. I ministered to her back there, she was healed. Glory to God, came out walking. Not only that, later on I was in a meeting, and the mother and father, I laid hands on this, filled with the Holy Ghost, spoke to other tongues. Glory to God. Hallelujah. The mother testified in my meeting that she carried her daughter because it's time to. Every so often you have to carry her back back to the John Seely Hospital in Galveston, Texas. And you know doctors, oh they won't, won't raise near as much cane as preachers will about folks getting healed. They're glad of it. And the doctor said, we've never seen it This is absolutely a miracle. We can't believe it. What happened? And she said, this, this Roman cat mother said, I just told them that there was a man of God laid his hands on her knees and on her body and rebuked that condition, commanded her to be healed. They said one thing about it worked, didn't it? The doctor said, it it's a miracle from God. Oh, we're so glad about it. They're so thrilled. And that little girl's happy and jumping and laughing. Oh, bless God, doomed, you see, for death. We got, but I couldn't get her healed up front. Couldn't get her healed up front. I've had to do that more than once. That's one reason that we wanted to create a climate around here we can operate in, and we're doing it. I said we're doing it, and we just about got the climate created God wanted us to create. I mean, we don't like that much, folks. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Woo! Glory to God! Hallelujah! Amen. I, I just don't have any any. You know, when you teach, and primarily I teach, and yet I'm I'm doing the two here. Uh, I, I'm just I'm just uh, taking a text and. And letting the Lord pull out of the inside of me or just give me whatever he wants to give me. And so I read reading, I said, when you teach ordinarily, there's a little more, you know, logical sequence to it. But here I'm speaking more by inspiration. I'm really standing more in the office of the prophet. You see, see the prophet didn't just operate in the area of the uh, supernatural gifts. He also taught and preached and so on. That was a big part, the biggest part really of his ministry. We need to realize that. We need to realize that. Well, thank God for His Word. Amen. Really, I just sort of cleared out the unbrush and got down to where I wanted to get to. So we'll pick up there tomorrow. Hallelujah. Let's stand up and thank God for His Holy Word. Praise. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. 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 Thank you for your holy word. 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 Forever, O oh Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Glory, reverence, and honor be unto thee both now and forevermore. Man saprakita karodola jada karotopa kasista. Hallelujah. Yes, we'll praise Thee, O Lord. We will rejoice in Your greatness. We will rejoice in Your goodness. For the Lord is good, and the Lord is great, and the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting. Hallelujah. Thank You, Lord Jesus. Thank You, Lord Jesus. Thank You, Lord Jesus. That concludes this message. For more information about Kenneth Hagin Ministries, call 1-888-283-2484. Or visit our website at www.rayma.org Or write Kenneth Hagan Ministries, Post Office Box 50126, Tulsa, Oklahoma, 74150-0126 And in Canada, write Kenneth Hagan Ministries, Post Office Box 335, Station D, Etobicoke, Toronto, Ontario, Canada, M9A4X3